Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to day two, day two of 21 days of prayer. And I hope, I hope you're already finding this uh, to be a great season of your life, of drawing closer to God. Thank you for being a part of it. Marianne, Kimberly, Wilma, Olivia, thank you. Thank you for making this a part of your daily life and saying, I just want to draw closer to God. So a very good morning to each of you or whenever you're able to see this. And I just thank God for you. During this season, you can be counted on. and You've helped one another, encouraged one another, and thank you for that. Like, share, follow the page. You know the drill. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Lasagna, Joy, Deborah, Barbara. Tuesday, January the 12th. This is our second day, and I I want to talk to you about silence when evil wins. In the book on prayer, the second day of devotion talks about our voices. We're told that silence is golden, and that may be the case. We're told to be sweet. We can't say anything nice. Don't say it. I mean, Proverbs 17, 28 says that even a fool is considered wise when he is silenced. I, th- I think silence may be indeed golden when we don't always say what we think. Yeah, we don't speak without examining it, praying over it. Silence is golden possibly when we refrain from speaking, criticizing words, condemning words, judging words. How can we judge others uh, and and take the moat out of their own eye when we have a beam in ours, Jesus said. Silence is golden, I think, when we ponder deep things. Mary, when she heard from the angel, the Bible says she pondered them in her heart. There is a time to be silent, but many times silence is fool's gold. When we refuse to speak up in the face of evil, and that is our discussion today, especially in the context of prayer. So as you join in, Ted and Sheila and Yolanda, Just share the page, follow the page, and let's build this great morning devotion group and spread the good news of the Lord across a land that is in desperate need of good news. We are in the midst of 21 days of prayer. We come to you, and that was the outset, the beginning of this devotion. And so we return to our roots. Uh, We're also fasting during this time on the ladder. Let God help you choose your fast. Don't be overwhelmed in this season. Do what he gives you the grace to do. A Daniel fast, intermittent fasting, giving up this or that. Just make an effort to draw closer to God. Uh, we want to we wanna draw closer to him. In the first devotion of the book on prayer, Adam and Eve were introduced to the walking voice. But when the serpent spoke to Eve from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible shows us that Adam stood by silently. You would think you would have thought he wasn't even there, but he heard every word spoken. He heard his wife, his helpmate, dialoguing with the enemy, and he said nothing. And that silence in the garden led to an ultimate tragedy and the fall of mankind. And silence remains an ultimate tragedy. In Leviticus 5, we're cautioned not to be silent 
when a public is charge is made and we know something that needs to be heard. In Ezekiel 3, we are cautioned to not be silenced in the face of wickedness. If the watchman sounds the trumpet, if he warns, he's innocent. If he remains silent, he is guilty and condemned. When we are silent, evil always wins. And boy, that's a message for days, for our day, isn't it? In just a very few days will be Martin Luther King Day. I remember that to reading books written about the civil rights movement. I got lost in that for many years. Like others, I've contrasted the lives and efforts of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. We see that contrast still going on today. I read the Taylor Branch Trilogy of the Life of King. What a great series that is. And for me, it gave texture and understanding of the years I didn't really understand growing up. As we know, Lincoln's assassination at the close of Civil War preempted what could have been done during Reconstruction. What might have happened did not. What should have happened did not. And for a century, an emancipated people were not really free at all. Jim Crow was the caste system that existed largely through state and local statutes that perpetuated the disparity between the races. And the 60s marked the tumultuous year that Jim Crow was finally challenged. And the Civil Rights Bill was passed. Change, albeit slowly, started. Read so much about that time frame, a time that is still somewhat unresolved, because we rushed right into the Vietnam War and a new series of conflicts. But I was impressed by the civil disobedience led by Dr. King, inspired by Mahatma Gandhi, motivated by peaceful marches, sit-ins, and clearly stated positions, and Dr. King and many others. But Dr. King was at the forefront. His speeches and sermons were memorable. His letter from a Birmingham jail, insightful. And he and so many others led the way during that season. Two quotes. Two quotes by Dr. King on the subject of silence. He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So true. It's not the sticks and stones of enemies who rise up against us that cut the deepest. It's the silence of people that we counted friends who did not stand up for us, who did not rise up in our defense. And I think that's what hurts the most. The second quote is even more poignant to the subject today. Dr. King said the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but it's the silence over that by the good people. That silence is the ultimate tragedy. Silence is when enemy wins. There's a lot of bad things that happen in life. Injustices in one form or another, disappointments, setbacks, human failures, conflicts, betrayals. But there is no tragedy quite like the silence of good people. Because silence is not the choice of anybody else. It's my choice. It's your choice. We we live the cinema of Adam in our own flesh. Silence is the cousin of cowardice. Speech is the son of courage. It was Elie Wiesel, the Holocaust survivor, who once said, we must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. The opposite of love, he wrote, is not hate. It's indifference. All that is good, all that is holy, all that is true is challenged by our silence. It was during the civil rights era many people remained silent. 
They saw injustices and they said, I just don't want to get involved. I want to stay out of this. This indifference expressed by silence is the opposite of love. It's the tragedy of silence. You and I, we have a voice made in the image of God. The one who walked as a voice in the garden, the one who appeared earlier at the creation of the world as the voice, as the word, as the spoken word saying, let there be light. He spoke and light overcame darkness. Have you ever thought about it? Speech is what overcame the darkness. He spoke and the foundations formed in the deep and the earth, sea, and the heaven appeared. Speech brings clarification. He spoke and life appeared, plants, animals, fish, fowl. Then he stooped and he made man from the clay and he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, made us in his image, made us like him, that that breath gave us a voice. We are a voice as well. For the words we speak reveal who we are. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It was said by a a woman over a fire to Simon Peter, your speech betrayeth thee. Our voice is revelatory. Our voice expresses who we are and who we're not, who and what we value. And within our voice is something so unique, something so powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue when we speak. When we speak, we create. When we speak, we can speak life into others. Oh, the power of speech. But silence, too, has a formidable power. For when we are silent, a vacuum forms. And nature abhors a vacuum. And into that silence slips the whisper of evil. Eve May would have sinned anyway. She was drawn away by her own lust. We know that. But Adam sinned as well. It was the sin of silence. He didn't speak up. He didn't give voice to what God would say. We sin when we don't speak up. Because in silence, evil always wins. People struggle with this understanding. I have. You have as well. We say things like, well, God will have his way. In the end, I believe God will. There's there's a new heaven coming. There's a new earth coming. There's a brand new world. The kingdom of God will manifest itself. And our Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign on planet earth. And so, yes, his will will eventually hold sway. But for now, God does not always have his way, not because he's powerless, but he awaits our voices. He awaits on us to speak. He bids us to pray that his will be accomplished. He asks us to exercise our voice. Our voice is in a sublime choir, ascending into heaven, invading heaven with our prayers and petitions. God wants to hear us. He longs to hear our voice. In this second day of the 21 days of prayer, God permits us to raise our voices. He wants us to boldly proclaim our requests that his will may be accomplished in our lives, our family lives, in our world. We just can't afford to be silent. It was Haile Selassie who was the modernizing ruler of Ethiopia decades back. He, he made some great changes, abolished slavery, made numerous 
reforms. I'm sure he was, he had his flaws, but he once said throughout history, it has been the inaction of those who could have acted, the indifference of those who should have known better, and the silence of the voice of justice when it mattered most that has made it possible for evil to triumph. When Hitler came to power in the 30s, it's hard to believe, hard to believe, getting close to a century ago, Hitler believed that Christians would remain silent. And he was largely correct in that, that Christians would just mind their own business and let him do what he wanted. But there were some fearless voices. I quoted one yesterday, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a young preacher. He refused to remain silent. And at the height of Hitler's popularity in Germany, Bonhoeffer said to those who would listen, this the church. He said the church must confess her timidity, her cowardness, her evasiveness, and her dangerous concessions. She was silent, he said, when she should have cried out because of the blood of the innocent was crying aloud to heaven. The church must confess that she has witnessed this lawless application of brutal force, the physical and spiritual suffering of countless innocent people, oppression, hatred, and murder, and that she's not raised her voice on behalf of the victims and not found a way to hasten to their aid. Bonhoeffer pronounced the visible church guilty of the deaths of the weakest and most defenseless because the church wanted her security. Christians wanted peace. They wanted quiet. They wanted honor. They wanted possessions. And because the church was silent, silent, evil one. Another voice during that time was Martin Niemöller. He was something of a national hero. He had been a decorated U-boat commander in the First World War. But after the war, he entered the ministry. His congregation was filled with some of the wealthiest people in the land. High government officials occupied his pews. But Niemöller spoke up. And the oppression began. For evil, evil always tries to silence the voice of conscience and the voice of truth. He was arrested for refusing to remain silent. When he got before the judge, the judge was confused. Why would he criticize their fuhrer, their leader who should not be questioned? The judge ordered, offered to release this man if he would just, if he would just quit speaking against Hitler and pledge his allegiance to the fuhrer. Before the judge that day, Niemöller was not silent. He said, I cannot and I will not be silent because God is my Fuhrer. God is my leader. And while in jail, the prison chaplain saw him and said, my brother, what did you do? Why are you here? And to that chaplain, that fellow believer, Niemöller responded, my brother, given what is happening in our country, why aren't you here? We are there in our country. The ominous attempts to muzzle voices have begun. Redefining truth is hate speech. There is an attempt to silence the true voices of the land. Speak up, you'll be canceled. Speak out, you'll be deplatformed. It's happening all across America and the Western world. Those who were called politically incorrect yesterday are being called by some domestic terrorists today. So I ask you, my brother, and I ask you, my sister, with what is happening in our land, can we afford to be 
silent. Isaiah said that the Messiah would stand silent before his accusers as a sheep stood before its shearers, that the Messiah would open not his mouth. And indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ stood before Pilate and Herod with very few, if any, words in a rigged trial where the judgment was predetermined. Jesus had nothing to say. He he reserved his voice for when it mattered and for who mattered. But today, however, our voice is needed and we can't stand by silent. It was Bobby Kennedy whose life was ended in those tumultuous 60s. He, he once said, he once said, each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lives and the lot of others or strikes out against injustice. I love this quote. He sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. We have seen the waves of despair in the last few months. What we need are ripples of hope. We need voices who will rise against oppression and justice. We need people who refuse to be quiet in America, in the Western world, in the entire world, because we're on a path to destruction. This world is on the slippery slope of moral relativism that has now become an avalanche of immorality. And we as believers, we can't be silent. We can't be intimidated. We cannot be muzzled. We've got to raise our voices. I mentioned Martin Martin Niemuller earlier and that brave man who spoke out against Hitler. You probably have heard his most famous quote. It's on Holocaust museums everywhere. First, Niemuller said they came for the socialists and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. We here in America... And in Western lands, democratic countries, we participate in the democratic process. But we have a higher calling than that. God has not called us to be merely social change agents or agitators. God has called us to be faithful representative of his character, his truth, and his word. That we speak truth and love. We cannot be silent. There's only one God. He doesn't need man-made thrones. There's only one God. He has a character that is altogether holy. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And we must keep our eyes on that eternal judgment seat that is coming. What our nation and our world needs is a spiritual rebirth and awakening. But for that to happen, we people of faith can ill afford to be silent. We've got a part to play in this, folks. We've got to lift our voices. Cesar and Linda and Ashley, we've got to lift our voices, uh, not only in the social sphere, but in the heavenly dimension as well. God awaits our voices. I have a journal. In fact, it's within uh, reach of my hand. If I could just stretch over and grab it. I have a handwritten journal of a person who was in the 1857 prayer revival that sparked that awakening that ultimately led to the outpouring of modern Pentecost. 
And when you go through the journals and you go through the handwritten accounts of what happened in that prayer revival on Fulton Street, New York City, that spread around the world, you'll be struck with something. Prayer requests would be offered up, and uh, then the entire congregation would begin to pray. And what was noticed was that the prayer requests were not just personal needs. Pray for this, I need this, I need that. They were praying that God's grace would manifest itself on the streets of their cities that there would be a nation-shaking outpouring, that God's power would be poured out on all the businesses, the courts, and the government institutions. Folks, let's elevate our gaze and let's raise our voices for evil to win. Good men and good women must simply be silent. That's all that's got to happen. We can't let that happen. We must raise our voices like a trumpet. We must cry aloud to God. We have to seek a hearing before the judge of all the universe. And as I said yesterday, we have to make our appeal to heaven. We've got to be like Job when evil thought that it had triumphed. We hear Job say, no, 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 no. I know my Redeemer lives. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I hear three Hebrew children when evil thought that it had one saying, God can deliver us. But if not, we're still not going to bow down to evil. We will not be silent in the day that we are living. Yes, God sees. Yes, God knows. But God is awaiting for us to break out of our silence and to lift our voices in ones and twos and to pray as we have never prayed before. Because evil can only win when you and I are silent. Good will triumph when we cry out. This is the world to which God has called us. We need to call on God and say, God, we want you to receive glory from our lives in this moment. We want our prayer requests and our voices to be raised to heaven to bring incredible glory to your name in this last generation in which we are living. I'm calling. I'm calling on you. I'm calling on believers. I'm calling on your friends and everyone within your sphere of influence. Uh, While we have a moment, while I'm still able to even do this devotion right now on this platform, how long will that last? Brothers and sisters, I don't know how much longer I will have this opportunity. But while I have a voice, and while I have this moment, and while we are together, we simply must lift our voices together to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, Let those angelic armies, let the Lord of hosts, let the Lord of hosts and his angelic armies be attracted to the people in this morning devotion, to the faithful prayer groups uh, across this city and across this land and across the world that are saying, we will not be silent. We will lift up our voice and we will believe that there is an awakening. Could it be? Oh, I feel this. Could it be that the awakening awaits you and me awakening and lifting up our voice like an alarm clock, like a trumpet in this day and age 
We will not be silent. Evil is not going to win. We are going to lift our voices and we're going to proclaim the mighty works of God in this land. Let God arise and let every enemy be scattered. Lord, awaken. I feel like those apostles in the boat when the storm came and Jesus was asleep, the Bible says, in the hinder part of the boat, and they began to cry out to him, don't you care, master? Don't you care, master? And he stood and he spoke peace to the wind and waves. I feel like we're in that same moment. Let's cry out to God. Let's awaken ourselves, awaken the heavenlies and see our world awakened around us. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Would you please share this with others? And let's just believe God that he is doing something we can ill afford to be silenced. Raise our voices like a trumpet. God bless you. Thank you for participating in the 21 days of prayer. Look forward to seeing you by God's grace tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.